My sadness over my mother's death is no longer a roiling boil. <sighs> I like that. Roiling. It's the right word, but it sounds wrong because it's not rolling. Over here, gentlemen. I. I have a table reserved for us. Afternoon, sir. Please not introduce I'm Joe Stracci, and I better start writing this down. Episode 20 The Poor Woman. A Quiet Year. I've been waiting for what feels like my entire life. A quiet year. But there has always been some goal off in the distance. A marker to make it to. When I was a kid in school, it was whatever break was next. Christmas spring, eventually summer. That turned into whatever the next school building was. Middle, high, and then college. I remember next in grad school, walking down a snowy pathway in Vermont with my then girlfriend, now my wife, about to graduate in a couple of days, thinking, I'll finish this, and we'll just have a quiet year. We'll hunker down with our jobs and our apartment. The days will run right. We'll have a quiet year. I'm still waiting. After grad school, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. I proposed to my girlfriend. My mother beat cancer. I got married. Oh, and my wife changed jobs three times during all of this. Two of which while we were living together. We bought a house. We got pregnant. We had a kid. I published my first novel. My wife got another new job. And then another one. I became a stay-at-home dad. My wife's grandmother died. We got pregnant again. My mom died. Another baby was born. And now, here I am, still waiting. I'm still just waiting for a quiet year. I started season two of I Better Start Writing This Down, talking about birth. Well, not just talking about it, I guess. I kind of thrusted everyone into the middle of the birth, come to think of it. I'm finishing season two by talking about a rebirth, or at least the new beginning of a cycle. Season two was supposed to be about a lot of things. 
I had a lot of grand ideas. It was supposed to be artier, with a couple of episodes that amounted to performance pieces. I wound up nixing them, thankfully. Eventually, though, it wound up being, almost singularly, about my mother and her accident and her death. Looking back on it now, I guess it couldn't have been about anything else. People die. Mothers die. People die suddenly, out of nowhere. Drunk drivers with suspended licenses come careening around the bend and poof. The immutable laws of physics have the final say. It isn't the fall that's the problem. It's the landing. And as sad as it all is, these are all elements in a story that I've read a thousand times before. It's just that, in all those times reading it, I never imagined the story as my story. That's where the work starts. You don't plan for a future that you've never imagined, because you can't. You've never imagined it. I wake up at 2.10 a.m. I was dreaming. I don't remember anything about the dream, only that it was intense, brutal, full of emotion and movement. In the bathroom, as I pee, there's pain behind my eyes. I'm left with the feeling that I was having a dream that I'd want to remember, but I don't. It feels like a failure and a realization of something larger all at the same time. In the bedroom, Marlo is crying. Dielle is changing her diaper, but she needs me to grab her a fresh one and she's out of wipes. I just keep moving. Two o'clock in the morning, a weeknight, the icy dark of our house and there's a quiet year out there somewhere in the distance. But not right here. Not right now. I grab the fresh diaper. I replenish the wipes. Four. A couple of days later, during nap time, I open the dining room windows and let the afternoon air in. It's too cold for it, really, but there's a warmth and a smell to the sunshine that feels good. While I'm giving Marlo her mid-nap bottle, I realize what it reminds me of. I go back in time, almost a year ago, to that Sunday in March, last year, when Danielle and I went to the maternity fair 
at the Villa Maria in the Bronx. Danielle had to work it for her job, but she was also four months pregnant at the time. We wound up being interviewed by Channel 12, the local Bronx cable station. I made a big deal during my interview of announcing that they had a world exclusive on their hands. We hadn't made it public yet that Danielle was pregnant. We left Luna at my mom's house, right around the corner. I thought it was indicative of the sad state of affairs for local journalism, that the reporter had to film me and record my audio at the same time and be pretty enough to be shown on TV. It was the last time the three of us saw my mother functionally alive. When TV shows have a season finale to write, and they are unsure if that season finale will wind up being the series finale because they haven't been extended by the network for another season yet, they write an ending that works not only as an end to the season, but to the series' narrative arc overall. Most recently, this happened on the HBO series The Leftovers. This show, my show, doesn't really offer up the same artistic opportunity. It's just me, my words, my beeps and boops. Counting the episode that you're listening to right now, I've made 20 of these things in just over a year. I can't believe that. In that year, so much has changed more changes on the horizon. I never feel like I've been productive enough. I don't know yet what the future of this show is. It will certainly be on hiatus for the time being. My break between season one and season two was six months. I'll take at least that much time off again, maybe more. I wanna work on polishing my novel one more time and then send it out to agents, to contests, to publishers, to whoever. I've never really worked that into this show, have I? That I'm a writer with a published novel, like a real one. It's called Whitney. You should read it. What's more is that right now, I don't feel like I have anything else to tell. But like Lori Moore wrote, I tell them dance begins when a moment of hurt combines with a moment of boredom. I'm a writer. All I need is time. My sadness over my mother's death is no longer a rolling boil. 
starts to simmer now. From time to time, little bubbles of grief break the surface. Whenever these moments come, they usually stem from the realization of a change in my life that I will not be able to communicate to my mother. I'll give you an example. When I started to care about cooking, it's amazing how quickly I knew everything. I would chide my mother for covering a pan with aluminum foil that had meat cooking in it, like, say, hamburgers. But don't you understand, I'd say, that the steam that you're not allowing to be released is ruining the sear on the burger? Yes, Joseph, I know, my mother would say. But I just don't feel like cleaning grease off of every surface in the kitchen, just so I can have a perfect sear. I've had an entire life of imperfect sears, and the hamburgers were just fine. Now, my family lives in a house that does not have an exhaust fan over the stove. Cooking fattier meats in the house means coating everything in the kitchen, sometimes even the floor, with a film of grease. Because of this, 95% of the time, when I want to cook meat, I just pull the grill out of the garage, no matter what the temperature, and cook outside. But with how hectic life has been lately, I end up doing what I swore I'd never do. What I jumped on my mother for doing. I had a couple of steaks to cook, and I didn't have a lot of time, and there was snow and sleet on the ground outside, and it was just so damn cold. So, I preheated the cast iron skillet on the stove and cooked the meat in it with a piece of aluminum foil on top to cut down on the mess. And you know what? It worked. We sat down to eat the steak. We cut some up for Luna. We murmured about the seasoning and how it was on the money. And as I sank my teeth into a crust that I knew could have been just a bit better had it not been for that trapped moisture, I looked at my wife and said, There isn't even too much to clean up. I covered the pan with aluminum foil. And my mother, she doesn't even get to enjoy seeing me succumb to it. The poor woman. The poor woman. That's who she has become. The poor woman appended onto the ends of my sentences, as close as I get to a prayer. The referencing of a ghost who hangs onto the ends of my words and my memory now. 7. We decided to sell our house. Depending on when you're listening to this, depending on how the inspection goes, we will maybe have already sold our house. Even in the course of my writing this, the inspection status has changed for the better. Maybe we'll have put in an offer on a new house, gone back and forth about it. Depending on how that goes, we'll either be inching forward towards another inspection, more negotiating, more money, more wondering if we're doing the right thing. And just as an update, since I wrote this even further into the future, 
of my writing this. All of those things came true too. We're leaving our current house, our current town, for a variety of reasons. We, maybe, want a bigger family still. My wife wants to be closer to her job. We want just a little less upkeep to worry about. But most of all, we're tired of driving past the site of the accident. We're tired of driving past the church parking lot where my mother would leave her car when there was too much snow on our road. We're tired of the ghosts and the reminders and the fact that there it is, right down there. I'm tired of remembering my wife saying, I hear sirens, Joe. After we got the call and I was running out the door because it was that close. I don't. We don't. See it as running away, though. We will be happy wherever we are because we'll be there together. But we think it's time to build something new. Eight. So, no. Once again, as usual, a quiet year does not appear to be on the horizon. Everything is up in the air. Everything is changing. There's a stack of boxes and packing supplies and a hand truck in the corner of the room I'm typing in. I already packed up all of the DVD collection. On Monday, January 11, 2016, Robert Francis Martini was charged with second-degree manslaughter, driving under the influence of alcohol and or drugs, driving with a suspended license, driving with unsafe tires, and failure to drive right. Robert Francis Martini is the man who is driving the car, a Mercedes, that killed my mother. Is this an ending? No, unfortunately not. Just more noise. More markers to make it to. More court dates, more correspondence, more Googling news stories, more wondering about how and why. I wish I was stupider. Simpler, maybe. I wish I could end here and say something like, Once we're settled in the new house, maybe once the summer comes, we'll get some quiet time. Some solid days that run right. That start at the same time, find a middle, and come to a gentle end, culminating in a restful night's sleep. But I know I won't. I know I can't. I've got stories piling up to write. I've got books I want to read. I've got a book I want to finish, so that others can maybe read it this time around. I've got a family to be a part of. Two little girls that never make any day easy, but make every day worthwhile. Even this podcast, I approached this episode as if I'd taken my turn, felt like I was done. And then, in the process of making it, took advantage of a deal and a font bundle. I played around with them for a while, 
created a new logo. I've been doing this with band names or book titles or podcast logos since I was a child. The new logo was black text on a white background. I needed to get out of the dark of this season, of this year. After a few days, it took shape. I wound up turning it into the only thing I felt it could be. At the bottom it says, Season 3, coming in 2017. What else can I do? This is how I keep the wolf from the door. It looks like I'll continue to wait. A quiet year does not appear to be in the cards. The only quiet it appears that I will find, after a lot of hard work, is a quiet mind. One that, at least for a short time, is at rest. My quiet, my respite, is what will come once I finally accept the unattainable nature of a quiet year, of everything it has come to represent. Listen, can you hear it? For more information about I Better Start Writing This Down, visit ibetterstart.net. If you want to support my show, there are three things you can do. One, pledge a dollar or two at patreon.com forward slash ibetterstart. At this point though, I guess you kind of missed the Patreon boat, at least for the time being. I want to thank the patrons from season two. The show's audience grew. And it was because of your support. I put all of your money right back into the show. Thank you. Two, rate the show in iTunes. If you already have, thank you. And now convince a friend to. Rating the show in iTunes moves us onto an up list and in front of new eyeballs and hopefully into new ears. And I've said it before, checking the show's ratings I definitely do it at least once a day. I know it's not healthy. And seeing a new review is the happiest I am all week. Make me happy, would you? After that, you can breathe. Spark some chatter about the show on social media. Share our Facebook posts. Tag a friend in the comments on our Instagram pictures. Retweet our tweets. I know it's stupid. But it helps to attract new listeners to the show, and that's what we really need to grow. In the off-season, I'll probably be on Instagram a lot. I might do some tweet storming too, director's commentary track type stuff for season two, so keep an eye out for that. I Better Start Writing This Down is sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash I better start. You, you know what? Forget this. I'm so tired of this audible spot. Can we be real for a second? Can I talk to you for real? I haven't gotten one cent from audible. Not in 19 episodes has anyone taken advantage of this deal. 
I'm tired of plugging other people's books. So let me do something I've never done. Go buy my book. It's called Whitney. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy books. On Amazon, you can get the paperback or the ebook. I worked really hard on this book, and if you like my podcast, you'll probably like my novel. I can't give you anything for free to buy it, any real incentive, except to tell you that I think you'll like it, and in a very direct, very personal way, you'll be helping to support me and the show. I better start writing this down as a social media presence that already has a commanding lead when you count the superdelegates. SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, we're everywhere. All you need to remember are username in all of those spaces. I better start. That's it. Hopefully, you wrote it down. So anyway, uh, so what were you saying about this is your wedding right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Who, who are you getting married to? <sighs> Mama's gonna come to my wedding. Mama's gonna come to your wedding? Well, I hope so. Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what food are you gonna have at your wedding? Here's a good question. What what do you what are you gonna be when you grow up? I'm gonna be a chef. Wait, say that again? I, I'm a be chef. A chef? Yeah, I will be a chef. What else do you want to be when you grow up? I wanna be a I wanna be a, I wanna be a midwife. You wanna be a midwife? <laughs> do you know any midwives? Yeah I do. Who do you know that's a midwife? Uh, um, I'm the wife. And this is my wedding. Mom is going to come to my wedding to get it. Okay. What do you think's wrong with Marla? Why is she crying? She's at my wedding. She's crying because she's at your wedding? No, she's just talking. Oh, she's just talking. Yeah, I guess crying was the wrong word to use. Uh, it was just talking. Baby, I am so If she's talking, it sounds more like she's whining. No, that's me talking. So, is there anything else that you want to say? You know, this is going to go on the last episode of this season of my podcast. Is there anything you want to say, like something you've been holding back this whole time? I did a poop. <laughs> well, there you have it. I'm done. I'm done, Dad.